Daniel, we're back. Take we ten. are. We are, yes. No technical difficulties. Alex is no, here no. today. He's no, got family stuff going on, so it's just the two of us. Pretty exciting day, Daniel. A lot of stuff to talk about in the world of the NHL. How do you feel? I feel, well, you know, it depends what we're going to talk about, but I feel energized to speak about these topics. So on the docket today is a few different things. We're going to talk about the Habs and the sort of end to the road trip they've had. Uh, uh, capping off of a big win against Tampa Bay in the shootout. You'll love to see it. Uh, the Leafs, Austin Matthews has hit 50 goal. He's at 51 now, so that's fun. Um, Jack Campbell is also back and playing. So we'll talk about that in news to do with Peter Morasic. Um a little look at some coaching news around the league. They came out of 32 thoughts last night. Uh, Keith Yandel's streak is going to be a big talking point. And, of course, to open the show, we're going to be talking about, so I think probably the biggest story of the week, and that is an incident between the Arizona Coyotes and the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, so with just, I think the game itself was on April Fool's Day, uh, yes. if I remember correctly, uh, with just over five minutes to go in the game uh, between Anaheim and Arizona. Uh, Anaheim are up 5 nothing Earlier in the, in the game, Zgrass had pulled off another Michigan, which is just beautiful to see. Um, he takes a poke at Yosef Coroner, who was in relief, trying to see if he could maybe try and get a loose puck, right? It wasn't malicious, and it was one poke. Whistle goes, and Jay Beagle takes exception to this. Uh, cross-checks Zgrass from behind, knocking him down, and Troy Terry comes in to stand up for his teammate. Doesn't drop his gloves or anything. And Beagle just goes on him, unloads on him. There's pictures up there, sorry, out there um, about some of the damage that was done to Troy Terry. He leaves, actually leaves the ice afterwards. He's got a towel over his eye. Actually, if you look at his face, it's swollen, it's it's bloodied, it's bruised all over that same eye. And I believe like there is a, a like an injury on it. Like it was bloodshot after. Um, completely defenseless was uh, was Troy Terry. And he was not a willing combatant. He never even dropped his gloves. Um, Daniel, there's a few different quotes and some sort of stuff that we can get to a little later. I just want to do two little quick things that came out of from Elliot Freeman last night to give a bit more context to the situation. First off, um, apparently the Ducks are upset about a few things here. But first off, apparently Arizona is saying that the incident was not about the Michigan goal that Troy Terry, sorry, that uh, Zgrass had pulled off earlier in the game. It was about the poke check. The Ducks thought that the Basically, what should have happened is the fight should have been uh, ended earlier because apparently earlier in the game, a linesman broke up a fight that had happened, but they weren't nearly as quick in the Terry situation. You are a Ducks fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are a big Troy Terry fan, even before he was a, like on the main roster back in this time in the World Juniors and that. And we all love Trevor Zegras. Before we get to the quotes, especially from the uh, Arizona commentators, because those were bad. Uh, what did you make of the situation? Um. I was annoyed. I didn't like it at all. I think that if these things type of things break out, it shouldn't be because of what happened there. We saw it was a slight poke check. It wasn't like he was like Trevor Zegras wasn't like, you know, he wasn't crowding the crease. He wasn't doing anything. It was just a simple play that I think kind of just boiled over on what happened throughout the game. So we first had the first fight. It was five zero and you know, every, everything everyone was talking about was another Michigan, Michigan goal, which was basically, I think this one was pretty, a lot more impressive. It went around Sonny Milano. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was great. And I just didn't like it. I think that, you know, Jay Beagle, he, he has been a fighter in the past. He has had a streak like this before, but it just felt so unnecessary for me for when it happened in the game. 
for why it happened in the game and who he like. I don't know. It's just like I, I way I see this. Like, do you feel like a big man now, Jay Beagle? You punched a skilled winger who is clearly smaller than you, who is not a fighter. Like, what is that? Like, what is what is what is that supposed to prove to me? In that sense. That's a very good question. Um, for some context for anyone who doesn't know, Jay Beagle has had a pretty long career and a very successful one. I want to say he was the first player to ever win a Kelly Cup, a Calder Cup, and the Stanley Cup. Anyone who doesn't know, the Kelly Cup is the ECHL's championship. The Calder Cup is the AHL. And we all know the Stanley Cup, right? So he's clearly a guy that's that has... I'm, I'm not giving benefit of the doubt, but I'm trying to get inside Jay Beagle's mind. And we all know that the saying of the ECHL is a jungle. Same in the AHL, that guy, he would have gone through the system when it was just a goon sort of way. And Jay Beagle was like, without him, the Caps probably don't win the cup back in 2018. Um, but it was just a sort of like, I'm not, again, I'm not excusing him. I, I hated it. Um, just to read a few quotes here. First off, this is what the Arizona commentators have, had to say. I'm not, I don't know their names. I don't really care. Uh, Tyson Nash is one of them. Tyson so Nash. He's I've never heard list. of him. Really? Yeah, we're like, I don't think, okay, he got traded to the Leafs, but I don't think he, he only played for the Marlies, I believe, or the St. John's Maple Leafs at the time. Do we know his penalty minutes? I'm not sure. I think he was, I could look over, but I remember he was like a kind of a two-way ring. He was kind of like before my time with things, but I just remember yeah. he was longtime Coyotes guy, and then he was on the Leafs like slightly. So, her, okay, so that first off, former Coyote that explained it. First up, what he has to say here, quote, that's the problem with these young players. You want to embarrass guys. You want to skill it up. You better be prepared to get punched in the mouth. Now, this got lame, and there, the audio of it is out there. It's very easy to find. Um, I think if you look up just uh, Jay Beagle and Troy Terry online, like like the first clip will normally have the commentary. It's it's on Twitter and that. It's getting lambasted as it should be. Because first off, if it's true what the Coyotes were saying, and this was about the poke check, which is still... It was still an overreaction. Um, first off, the commentator got it wrong. And second, what a stupid and die. Like, I hate using this term, but what a dinosaur take. Because I'm better than you. You're going to punch me in the face. Because Don't get embarrassed by the Ducks, who are not a good team this year. And you're the Coyotes. I, Suck it. You're bad, too. You're two bad teams. I, I just checked, Jay. Um Tyson Nash's stats. So he was a bit of a goon. Like he, for like, I think a stretch of six seasons, he averaged more than a hundred penalty minutes. And there we go. Um, yeah. Bit of goon type of guy. He only played 54 games for the Marlies in 2006, 2007. That was actually his last year in North America before he went to Japan. Um, I didn't know there was a Japanese league. That's cool. Yeah. I was surprised too. And I, I didn't like to take it all. I, a lot of the things that people were saying to it were, and like it, like it, it's just like oh you know that's what happens when you trade Nick the De, Nick Delorier like that's what happens when Not you true. want a pure skill team and I don't think that's the case there with the way the Ducks are built I think he went like you know what I mean I know he's like injured and everything but you know you didn't go for one of the bigger guys playing on the team because the Ducks still play a bit heavy here and there right like you went for troy terry you went for like you went for a guy that's just trying to break things apart like just break things up and he didn't instigate the fight we, with respect and to it all started with the cross check on zgrass right even zgrass is just a 
I mean, it's in the nicest way. Trevor Zegras is a stick. He's yeah, probably he's... 200 pounds wet. You know what I mean? He, it's just it's just going after. It's just gutless, man. It's just I I, I saw that Kevin Bieksa was t- tweeting. Uh, sorry, was trending on Twitter. I didn't hear what he had to say, but I, I saw people comparing him to Don Cherry, and I was like, oh, oh goodness gracious. But um, here's the exact quote. Well, first off, actually, um, so head coach Dallas Eakins for the Ducks said, "quote It was cowardly." Terry was cut wide open and basically defensive, uh, defense defenseless, not a good sight. Uh, then Trevor Zegras was uh, very candid in what he had to say about the whole situation. Quote, minutes left in the game, we're up 5-0. Our best player, our leading goal scorer, that's 31 goals, by the way, uh, one of our best players, in my opinion, in the whole league, I take a shot and Terry comes in to help me, Zegras said. I get, um, I get I'm not going to name the player. I get that he's going to maybe punch him once, but the fact he's down and not engaged in the fight, you're going to hit him three more times. I think it's embarrassing. He should be embarrassed. I'm embarrassed he got that far. I appreciate uh, Troy sticking up for me um, because that's a non... I'm reading properly. I appreciate Troy sticking up for me because that's a nonsense cross-check in a 5 nothing game. I think the league should step in here and do something about it. You don't punch a guy when he's down, especially a 31-goal scorer in the NHL who is a superstar. I think it's embarrassing. I think it's a bad look for the league. And for the player that did it, it's humiliating, and I think he should be bleeping punished. Uh I'm surprised he hasn't been fined yet, Trevor, for saying that, by the way, because we know how this league is. But um, I, I don't think it. I could have said it I myself. I love it, by the way. What? I love the, like... Oh, it's a great quote. We always talk about it, like, where it's just all the guys coming up now, all the younger guys. Those young willing, Americans, yes, man, I'm telling you. They're willing to speak up, and we see it in other leagues. We always talk about that, and... You know, it's just it's the personality that's coming out. It's the frustration that's coming out. You know, it's perfect for us journalists. But at the same time, it just kind of shows where okay, this is one thing I always think about. Like, it kind of shows that what we see in terms of hockey media sometimes with the players is not the same as that you're going to get in an NHL video game. You know what I'm talking but about? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know what a big problem I saw this. First off, that's that Trevor Zegras quote reminded me of when he called out Team Canada before the gold medal game in the World Juniors, and it was like, oh, what's this kid talking about?" And then they beat Canada. Yeah. Um. That, that I Trevor Zegras is so good for this game. I love the kid. Um. Kid, I, I think he might be my age. I think I think about it. Um. Now, Daniel, here's a, a sort of thing I want to talk about here. Um, I think they hinted last night that there was going to be this wasn't done and over with, but player safety, and sorry, I mean that on the broadcast. I was Freeman and Merrick talking. That maybe this isn't done, but it doesn't, there hasn't been any other word from player safety yet. And it's kind of weird that I'm I don't think there was going to be anything else publicly, at least. Because if you remember when when Tom Wilson terrorized the Rangers a couple of years ago, remember, and he ragdolled Panarin. If you remember, he wasn't disciplined for that. He was fined for the punch on Pavel Butznevich on the play, but Pavel Butznevich, who was a Ranger at the time, by the way, Mike, how do you feel? Uh, but he technically got nothing for just like throwing Panarin around, another star player. Um, so if you really think about it, the, the president here, Actually makes sense for the league, not for the good of the sport, but it makes sense that there might not be anything here. And I think this is another example, and you might see this on Twitter, is that I think the NHL sort of have a crisis of not knowing what demographic it's trying to target still. it's, And I think the people I see complaining the most about the way that this whole thing has been handled so far 
it's been a younger generation. Now, guys like Frank Saravilli and that and John Liu, who are, you know, middle-aged dudes have been, you know, criticizing this whole situation as well. But I see a Dmitry Filipovich, like all of, like the younger people. And then you just have these former players like what's his name? So, Tyler Nash? Tyson Nash. Tyson Nash. He's not even worth remembering his name. Um, they're like, ah, oh, this is great. This is the young players. It's just uh it's it's again it's a, it's dangerous for the league. I still don't know like who are you trying to target? Who's your target fan base here? Yeah, I I don't know. I'm just it's 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 weird to me where I kind of just kind of feel that in one sense you you still are gonna have that rough and toughness in the game, and there's still that expectation where you're gonna have a guy like a Wayne Simmons who you know he could still play in the top nine, but he's still gonna defend your skilled guys. So you're still always gonna need those types of guys. But I don't believe that it's gonna go back to that situation where you have a fourth line where just all three are enforcers and. It's just kind of confusing to me of what they want the league to be because in terms of what they want to move past on, on things where they, you know, we think about an era like Wayne Gretzky, where they always talk about where, you know, they, he never had to kind of stick up for himself in these types of situations. You couldn't touch him now. Yeah. And then, and I know this is like a hindsight 2020 thing, but what Sidney Crosby had to kind of go through in that transition between that era. And then what we have the era now when all the rules kind of changed and it's just, it, yeah, for me, it's just like, what, what does the NHL kind of want in terms of what kind of game they want to present to people? Because I think that it is moving in the right direction with things with a lot of these guys, like you mentioned, Dmitry Filipovich speaking out about something like this, but at the same time, it's just when we talk about like the growth of the game, I think that the NHL is kind of caught in that situation where, you know, this was the base we had before. And this is what kind of maintained the sport. You know, we can't alienate these people. But at the same time, we need the potential of the newer fans or the younger people to kind of keep things going. Because remember, we sent, I sent you and Alex that like the most profitable like Canadian athletes out there, you know, like. Crosby and McDavid are not even the top guys there. Like Lance Stroll in Formula One is one of the top guys there. Tristan Thompson, who was waived this year and went to the Bulls and got traded like twice, is the second most, pro- second most profitable Canadian athlete. I think what Lance, yeah, Lance was in the top five and he's only in the seat because his dad owns the team. Like, and he drives with like the four-time world champion in Seb. Seb Vettel, and it's just like, ah, no, you know what? My dad owns the team. I'm here. And he's more, that's insane to think about. That's very good. I'm, I'm happy you brought that up because that was an insane graphic. Yeah, and then, um, oh, that's just, that's not good. That's not good. Um, the positives is shout out Alfonso Davies, number one. Yeah, that's not that surprise. Yeah, the man, the man, man, man. When, how is he? Is he, is he going to be ready to go? I think he should be okay by the time it's the summer. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The best. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They they need him. They they need him. Um, I saw I don't know football well enough, or yeah, you know, I, I can call it football because I'm British. Yes, um, you are British. I don't know football well enough to like in the international stage to be like, ah, I think is Belgium their big competition in that group, by the way. Yeah, Belgium's a good team. Um, so I'm just getting this from other expert football guys, yeah, in that we know who have worked on this stuff, but 
yeah, apparently like Croatia is still a contender, but they're not the team they were four years ago in the same division, in the same uh, group. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, by the way, NHL protect star players, please. Protect yes, star please, players. please, please. Um, even if we are ripping the Coyotes and Mr. J. Beagle, uh, we want to give a just quick recoveries, best wishes to uh, Coyotes forward Clayton Geller. I remember at the All-Star game, I forget what event he was doing or if it was a moment in one of the games, but I remember seeing Clayton Geller and being like, that, that I just kind of like uh, sometimes we forget that even if, if players play for teams as dog crap as the Coyotes, that they're still really, really good. And this year, Clayton Keller, I think he was up to 28 goals and he was on pace for 76 points. Thank you, Elite Prospects. Great. I love that site. It has like all the project. It's great. I love it. Um, he finally was turning into the player that I think Arizona thought they had initially when they extended him. Like, I know that was a completely different management group and that, but just what a shame, what a freak accident for him. I think he's out four to six months, surgery for a fractured leg. Eh. Hope he comes back because, man, that kid's good. Yeah, for sure. I think for all the stories coming out of Arizona, I predicted that this was probably going to be one of the, like, one of the positives that you could actually look forward to. I think, I believed in Clayton Keller's potential. I know when John Chica gave him that, it was more of a, it's going to be a bar, like quote unquote bargain later on in the term when he mm-hmm. does develop. So when he was struggling, it just was not pretty to kind of to look at the cap hit, but I think he was getting there. He was in the right direction, going in the right direction in terms of his age. Um, he's someone that you could build around. So just really wish him the best and like, yeah, we wish him the best and we hope he like comes back, you know, in full form. Same with Sean Monahan. He's out for the season with hip surgery, which is just the, the unfortunate with Sean Monahan is it he's not that 70 point to the potential first, maybe second line center. Everyone sort of saw him as all those years ago. But I want to say, is his contract done? It's next year. Okay. So at least he might be getting bought out, or maybe he'll be a cap yeah. dump somewhere. But Man, what a rough way if that is the end in Calgary for him. I hope he gets some sort of show me deal because he's only 27. There's yeah. still something there. I always forget that because uh, he was one of those picks in the 2013 draft that they played right away in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And he had he had an he had an eighty point season like two good. years ago. I think he was, he was in like Selkie conversations, wasn't he? Yeah, it just apparently, and I'm just like been reading this often. It's just he's been hobbling with injuries the last two and a half years. That's a shame. So that's what's kind of you saw the regression in his game from you know the top top two lines to being a fourth line guy right now. So. We should also wish him the best with his surgery and whatever happens, bought out, buy out, trade. Calgary holds on to him. We just hope he's okay. There's um hip surgery too is just uh, that's a rough one to get a 27. My goodness, at least he's not a goalie like that. Shouldn't be as bad, but it's still your hip, right? Uh, looking else, there was something I was just wanting to think about, but I completely lost track of what it was. Um, I feel I feel very silly that I can't remember what I was going to talk about. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> Um, it was a good point, too, from what I remember. Uh, Keith Yandel. The Iron Man streak is done. He, not by Keith Yandel's own fault. Well, maybe you can blame his play, but that's we can have that discussion in a second. Um, Mike Yo confirmed yesterday, and then by the time it happened, people were holding out help. Uh, game against the Flyers the first time since, like, what is it, 2009? He was a healthy scratch. Easy, yeah. He was sat. 989 straight games in the NHL without missing a game consecutive iron man 
Uh, 11 games away from a thousand street. People have been split on this on Twitter. Uh, some people saying that Yanda was crying about it. I actually thought his, his press conference about it was very professional. Um, I know Kevin Hayes. No, sorry. Is it Kevin or Jimmy? I think it's, it's Kevin Hayes on the flyers, right? Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. And Jimmy's his brother. Um, so Hayes said he didn't agree with it in his post game. I want to say um, the flyers well, they got killed by the Leafs as we all expected. They're a bot. I think they're fifth last in the league right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get wanting well, to give kids a chance, Daniel. Like, I see what people are saying. He has been playing well. They did him a favor for him to break the Iron Man streak. Like I get what everyone's saying, and I see the advanced numbers on him. But something just it just it just doesn't feel right in my stomach. You know what I mean? I just I just didn't like it. Yeah, I felt the same way. Like two things: the Flyers are not going anywhere this year. Um, I don't know. Like when you want to try to ice a team, like the way I kind of saw it is like I know you have to give the young guys a chance. You have to try to like work out. Like I know the Flyers also had a bunch of NCAA guys, mm-hmm. but it's not like you're fighting for a playoff spot right now. Um, it's not like are eleven games gonna kill you? Yeah, it's it's it was kind of a ridiculous thing for me i saw that a lot of people were saying oh this should have happened a while ago but listen like they they're the ones who brought him in yes it's not like they it's not like the florida panthers where i know they brought him in too but it's not like oh we have to pay this guy and like see how the term kind of goes for the contract it was a guy that after he got bought out you decided that you wanted to sign him and try to fix your defensive core with a guy like him like Rasmus Riskalainen and then with Ryan Ellis who got injured, unfortunately, but it's not like they were obliged to kind of have him there. I think he's a solid veteran. Um, yeah. It was just kind of weird. And like, I think Alex mentioned it where a lot of fanfare was going to come from this because it was against the Leafs yes. and they let in six goals regardless. It was not even just against the Leafs. It was hockey night in Canada against the Leafs. Like, what are you thinking? Like, I, I just, I, like, guys like Cam York and that, it, it's 11 games. And here's the thing, the, like, I wouldn't be surprised if the Flyers knew it could have come down to this because apparently a big thing of when they brought him in was to, like, we're going to get you to that that milestone of breaking the Ironman streak. And he did break it, but, it, like, unless something happens to Phil Castle, it looks like Castle will break it. Now, I did see people saying, you know, Phil Castle, you know, former cancer survivor, not former, I guess you can be cancer survivor. I thought, you know, that is a cool story, but, you know, just let, let discussion for, like, a day or two away. Like, let's just calm down. I, I saw it was a JVR joke that, like, nutritionists everywhere are, are questioning what the hell, like, what does Phil Castle do? How is he this? How? It's insane. Um. But it was just, yeah, I just, I just didn't like it. I it just felt it wasn't too like old school. Like Carl Alsner's Iron Man streak got broken when he got sat, which was, you know, it, it was like he was Alsner was just borderline out the league at that point. It was, I don't think he ever played an NHL game ever again. Or if he did, it was one or two. Um, Yandel, like I think statistically, he's only good on the power play nowadays. But I'm sure you have guys like like uh, like obviously Ristolainen and that they're the more offensive guys who would see on that blue line. Um, like I would get it, but again, it's it's just you're not playing for anything. There's there is literally nothing on the line for the Flyers. It just I I understand every argument against sitting him in that, 
Um, and you have to earn a roster spot. Uh, spot. I understand that. I 100% understand that. But 11 games? I know there's only like around maybe like 15 for some teams left, but it's 11 games. These guys are going to be like, not to mention, you know what? It doesn't help that there's one less spot because you signed it. Sorry, you traded and then extended Ristolainen, who is like defensively, yeah. I imagine, isn't much better than Keith Yandel. No, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't think so. Like he's just, Dude. he's like a younger version. That's yeah, hap- Risto's yeah, definitely that, that's a very way of putting it. That happens that happens to play the right side. He's bigger too. I think he's more physical, but yeah, like a bit of a, a dick. You know, Risto's got that dickness in him. Um, mm-hmm. but I I didn't. I just I it just uh, it just bothers me a little bit, especially if if I want to say they got an injury last night too on defense on the Flyers. Like obviously, I was watching the Habs game instead. But imagine if he plays their next game, it's like okay, cool guys. I just I feel bad for him. Imagine and people saying like, oh, it's an it's an objective. It's just it's an arbitrary number playing a thousand straight games. Were you saying that when Mike Madonna got sad at fourteen ninety nine? No, you weren't. Like a a thousand consecutive games. I think over the past year, like us on the pod have got a lot more respect for games played. Like the Patrick Marlowe thing last year. Apparently, it's really big to players. Like you just have to think of the accomplishment of it. A thousand straight NHL games. When if a puck goes the wrong way and hits you in a certain part of your body, you could fracture something. Mm. And the guy avoided it for nearly a thousand games. Like I, I, I just don't get how people can't appreciate that. And just eleven games, Daniel. Eleven games. Like I, I get, I get. That I love the episode, won't. by the way. I'm going to text right. Alex that. I get that. You want the young guys, you know, there's always that end of the season, um, tr- like quote unquote tryouts you have with with certain young players you bring in. You want them to get the experience where it's not the high stakes type of games, especially when you're out of a playoff position this far, like the Flyers. So, like, I, I felt it too. 11 games is not going to suddenly make all of these younger guys, you know, become these core pieces right away you could have kind of waited you you could have tried to move things around and i don't know i i feel for keith yandel i uh i just kind of felt like this was a wrinkle in what has been a dramatic season for the flyers that shouldn't have been there to begin with this could have been one of their good feel good positive stories and Claude Giroux doesn't get you much in, in your trade and all that. I just I don't feel bad for I don't feel bad for the Flyers anymore. They'll well, overpay Cadre now. And, Jake Voracek but, spoke about it. Oh, that was oh <laughs> he really ripped Elaine Vigneault, didn't he? He did. He really did. That was a really that was the worst kept secret in the league that that team hated Vigneault, and they didn't yeah. do one. They defended Vigneault for another year. Like why? Elaine Vigneault, do you see the April Fool's thing from, I think it was Habs Eyes on the, uh, the Prize, saying, ah, Marty's going to get replaced with Elaine Vigneault. And all of Habs Twitter was like, don't you dare. And it was April Fool's. Okay. Uh, let's go to the Leafs and the Habs. We're on the Flyers, and we could talk about that game versus Toronto. Uh, but first off, I'd see we should probably mention uh, Peter Morazic out for the rest of the regular season, at least, I think it was. Uh, just another chapter in such a disastrous season. He's probably played his last game as a Leaf, fair to say. Probably. Um, I, the way he played, the way things were have been, I don't know if you could, you could still kind of keep it. I, 
I, I guess like out of respect for him, I wouldn't bring him back <laughs> next season, especially when you look at the cap hit, you look at what the Leafs are kind of, kind of go for, like when they have this on the fly, like, you know, we need to be better. We can't just kind of keep waiting on guys mm-hmm. mentality right now, especially the way their window is. So really wish him the best. I loved the equipment he brought in. I really thought that he was going to be able to bounce back. I'm talking like he's already gone off the team, but you know, I like that there was the hope that he was going to bounce back. I didn't, I know it was a, it was a free agency signing. So it was a bit of an overpay based on what he did last year, but I believed, I did believe in it. So that man, it was, I think he only played was like two regular season games, but then in the playoffs and we were all like, that's a good tandem goalie. And I think we all forgot the injuries. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it's just, it's just been a, it's been a disaster. And you know what? He got chances to play too. It wasn't just when he was healthy, he got the chances and he just, he wasn't good enough. Um, and uh, I know Dubas kept going on about that as in all these games, he's been this save percentage. I'm like, man, I, I understand that, but that was before the injuries this year. That was before all of last year, man. Like I remember in like the two games he played, he led the league in save percentage all of last year. I remember always checking save percentage stats. And it was Mirazik at like a 967 in two games. And you're like, ah, interesting. It is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the one, it's a shame Alex isn't here because he went to the Jets game with Mike. Um, we could have talked about that with him. Um, but the big story coming out of that game is 50 goals for Austin Matthews. Um, nice. It's really funny that we could get a few different 50 goal guys this year. Um, this is a guy who for the past couple of years always had the potential to hit 50, but these injuries for little bits of time always just kept him that much short of it. Um, but was he up to like, I think it's 250-ish career goals already for Matthews? Mm-hmm. Insane. Good player. He's all right. <laughs> he's a pretty good player from what I hear. I mean, you know, scoring gets up to 51. He could, I think he's on pace for 62 goals. Was that a retribution victory for Alex, I think, against the Jets? Because I don't know. Just They have that pseudo rivalry now. I think that was all of Leafs Nation, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because he will, somebody put in the dog, take that Logan Stanley and Jesse Pollock. I think that was Alex, uh, which means it was probably you. <laughs> okay, very good, very good. I just um, I like the bar down video because Jesse Pollock just being shown in the crowd, um, with his Jets jersey on, and then like everyone is just like, oh, Jesse Pollock's at the game. So I found that pretty funny. Um, I like the memes they had with the Logan Stanley thing, where you know he's addressing the crowd, and everything, trying to get all those chants, and then people are like. I think like the um, pictures, what was the unfortunate events one? They posted uh, something like that. I don't know. Like, Maybe it was the, the Shifley thing. Was there anything better than winning, beating the Leafs? Yeah. So posted that stuff. So it's just, I oh, just it was like two nothing lead. I think. Yeah. I just like that added drama to a regular season game like this, where it's not like a fleshed out rivalry. It's like a pseudo rivalry. Cause I'd argue like the jets and the Habs are on a different level. Uh yeah, yeah. After a lot, well, yeah, because they met in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and Shifley's a loser. They have one more game against the Jets, by the way, so that'll be fun to watch. I mean, Montreal do. Um, Toronto, yeah, I think that's it because it's only yeah, it's two per year normally with the Central teams. Yeah. Um, but no, it was um, it was good. I saw like I think Blake Wheeler has like the lowest goals, like goals below average or something for the season, or goals lowest goals expected. 
uh, Jay Fresh had it on. I was like, hi, yes, 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 yes. And I think they lost to LA the other day, uh, last night too. So I think it's fair to say, I think the Jets are out. Like, I think if they, if they go like on a run of like 10 and two, I think they have a chance, but it's, doesn't look good losing to uh losing to LA last night. They need some um, scoring wingers in there. Uh yeah, they do. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, Nick Ehlers is good, maybe even then, you know. Uh, there's a lot wrong with the Jets coaching in that too. Uh but going to the Philly game, it was Jack Campbell's return, which I thought was really quiet. I was was going up and I asked my stepdad, I'm like, who's in there? He's like, Campbell. I'm like, oh, that was quiet. Yeah, I think. Because he was day to day, so maybe they didn't want to just do a huge thing about it. Just keep it low key. Because I didn't know either. I'm like, oh, okay, that's Jack Campbell's equipment. Did he uh, play it was a bit of a back and forth. Um, to let in the first goal, you know, Leafs went up two one pretty quickly, and then the Flyers bounced back. Then the Leafs went up three uh-huh. two. Then it became three three, and then I think just one of those games where a not very good team just loses its steam in the third period, and that's when it became six three. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Wayne Simmons also scored in that game, which it looked like apparently the bench were really happy for. Because I think there was a bit of Leafs Nation starting to say, okay, maybe we need to take Simmons out now. Um, and that, First goal you know, in uh, 33 games. That's insane. I didn't know it was that long. And I'm pretty sure Abersazy, yeah. I think Abersazy made his debut too. Yes, he did. Abersazy to pizza or however Alex says The Harvard it. boy. How'd he play? Played pretty well. Um, you know, he's going to get the limited minutes there. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's at a point where he's going to take away anything from the bottom six at this point, but happy to see that there's been that smooth transition so far. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Uh, shout out to Rodi Amamirov. I think the, the Hockey Night guys sort of showed out that he's doing chemo and he's in the gym a few times a week. So uh, it's that's that's good to see. Um, the guy we're all rooting for and mm-hmm. uh, you hope is a part of the Leafs future or just any part in, in the sport and and all that because man, that that guy's uh, that guy's battling right now. So um, like to see it. We like to see it. Um, going to the Habs, they wrap up their road trip. I think it was. Uh, I think they take three points out of it, which is three too many for me. Um, but anyway, I I think you started to see on that road trip that you really start to notice the absence of a Ben Chirot, a Brett Kulak, and a Cherry Lekkinen. Um, but no quitting the team. The Panthers game, as we talked about, was wild. They managed to tie it up, but they fell apart in the third. Um, they come back from a two nothing deficit and win the shootout versus Tampa Bay, which is the first time they've beaten them since Game Five, um, which is was hard to difficult. Did you see you, Jordan Harris? By the way, I did. How do you feel, Jordan Harris coming in? Leafs beat. I mean, Habs beating the the Lightning. Well, it was a back and forth game. It was a lot. It was a lot. Well, Caulfield scored, so that's always good. Um, what What's really funny is obviously Harris has to wear the cage in college. So for I'm assuming the first time in years he lost his helmet last night and he didn't know the rule that you have to get off the ice so he took the penalty. Um, I think they I think Tampa scored on it, but you know Marty St. Louis actually trust players on like Ducharme so he played again. Um, but even the ref went up to him was cool about it. he's like yeah you can't do that. Harris is a he's got a he's a really chill dude. Eh? Mm-hmm. Watch his press conferences. He's got a he's got a real great attitude about him. Um, but the sun was really, really nice. Um, but the Tampa game, yeah, it was it was good to get the win because it would have been Marty St. Louis' sort of coaching debut in Tampa Bay, obviously. The return again, two point return 2.0, not like after the Rangers and then this yes. one. Yes. I think they pointed out like uh at Joel Edmondson was like, Yeah, so he didn't make it about him, but we made it about Coach Marty mm-hmm. and wanted to get the win for him, which was really, really nice. You, you that's something you really, really like to see. 
Um, and Jesse Yalonen has been playing. I think he's got like four points in five games too. So it was really interesting in the overtime. Um, Corey Schooneman got shifts. Jordan Harris got shifts. Justin Barron was getting shifts. I don't know what Alexander Romanov has to do to get overtime shifts, but it was they were trusting young players, and it was just really good to see. What? Management know, right? is trusting young players in Montreal? It's insane, guy, to look at. <laughs> um, Jaden Struble apparently is leaning back to going from Northeastern. I think Elliot Freeman had that last night. Um, which I don't, I could have sworn that Kent Hughes had talked about this, but I, I don't want to say anything because I can't find the article anymore. Um, but he'll be a UFA next year, so we'll see if he signs. It's a little messy. It makes sense that he doesn't come to Montreal because you see all the young guys in the blue line for this year. Are you going to get a shot? You know what I mean? Especially if they keep like Joel Edmondson and that. Like, you can't really move Savard's contract. You've got Romanov, you've got these young guys. So I don't know if Struble prefers to play in Northeastern rather than the AHL. But um, that, that's something to keep an eye on over the next year because there's a gut feeling I have that he's going to leave. I don't know why. That could just be me being crazy. But um, These are stressful, right? Like all these NCAA uh, watches. They, they are uh, – you just never know how they're going to go. I was nervous after Cole's rookie year in uh, Wisconsin. I was like, oh, and then – there was the news about how like he found out he was going back for the second year from a reading a press conference at Mark Berger or an article from Mark Bergevin. Um, and I was like, Oh God, he's going to hate us. And he's not going to come back. It is very stressful. Every time they sign an NCAA guy, I'm like, it was Ryan Bailing going to sign. I get nervous, but I feel like they're going to do a lot more NCAA recruiting because Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon and Marty St. Louis, like I think all their kids play for Northeastern. <laughs> Is another thing I thought of with Jordan Harris gone, Jane Struble is going to have, I would assume, a much bigger role on the blue line in Northeastern next year. Yeah. So they're just going to draft Northeastern guys. I, bet. I guess it's going to be a showcase year for him, uh, whether or not he wants to turn pro yeah. right away with Montreal, have that end of the season, you know, end of the semester type of thing that you saw all these other NCAA guys doing or. Even Montreal just kind of assessing, okay, this guy is probably going to be great. And if he doesn't want to come, let's at least get an asset out of it. Um, I I think about how the Wild traded McBain to, uh, is it Jack McBain, right? I think it's Jack, yeah. Yes, because there's also, I remember there was a Jamie McBain. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's Jack. Yeah, Jack. And third round, pick, late third, like early third round pick, um, it's pretty solid. He saw that the center depth wasn't going to be the most ideal thing for him in Minnesota and the wild get a second round pick for him. So pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, Harris played really well. He was very confident. You can see in his skating. It's like, Ooh, I like this player. Uh, I hope they get him some practice time on the power play. Cause they tried five forwards with Hoffman, like at the point and it did not work. <laughs> it, it did not work. <laughs> Oh, Hoffman is a is a frustrating player. I will I will tell you that. Okay, um, to finish off here, we're gonna play a little game that Daniel had an idea from. So on the thirty two thoughts segment last night, um, they had this little graphic of coaches on interim or expiring contracts. So Daniel, I'm gonna ask you about this player. I mean, sorry, this coach with this team. And you're gonna tell me whether you think they're gonna stay or leave, or they will be extended or let go. Um, we have. I think it's 11 here, if my math is correct. We're going to start in Anaheim. The expiring guy is Dallas Akins. We know that Joel Bouchard is in the AHL, so that can always be an option. How do you see Dallas Akins? A guy who kept Anaheim in the chase for a good portion of the season. 
Um, but since the deadline, besides that Anaheim game, it's been a little rough because he lost all his best players. Yeah, I w- once when that happened. Okay, so two things: when Pat Verbeek came in, um, I already knew that he wants his own guys there. He has no connection to the past guys, as I've said before. Um, that really got into him. You know, when the Ducks were actually competing for a playoff spot, I think this was Dallas Aikens' last stand. Yeah. And no, he's, I think he's, he's, they're going to let him go. They're going to get their own guy in there now, maybe a Joel Bouchard, but it's going to be someone that is going to work closely with Pat Verbeek and what he wants for the team moving forward. Chicago and Derek King. Uh, I don't see them really making any sort of move if they're going this full rebuild move. Maybe. I mean, the guy in charge above him. And I want to say, like, at the same time, Derek. No, no, because the, the hiring, no, because I want to say the gender and block stuff was after Carlton got fired. But it was, it's all internal, guys. I just don't know if Chicago are going to bother making a move. I don't think they need to. Yeah. I, they just, I think it's going to be like a Jeff Bashel situation where you're just going to keep the guy there during like the rough patches. And then just maybe, maybe when they break out again, you'll, Think about bringing him. You think about keeping him there. King is an interim, by the way, and an expiring guy. Uh, speaking of him, it's Jeff Blasio in Detroit. Um, I I don't know how you look at how Detroit have played this year and yeah. keep Jeff Blasio anymore. I can't. I can't see it. <laughs> like the guy has had no. It, it's enough. It's enough. Yeah, he's uh, he's given. He's been given the opportunities to kind of do something about it, but. I like Detroit are not as like they're they're getting to where they need to go. Yeah. It's just when they lose bad, they lose badly. And I just kind of feel like what is the morale like that for the young guys where it's like we let in 11 goals. That we was let in the, 10 goals. The problem like last year and the year before was they were out of games in the first period. Yeah. Um, a guy who was an expiring, it, it sounded like around the all-star game, he could have been gone. They have the inside lane on Vegas right now for the playoff race. That's Rick Bonus with Dallas. Ah, this one's difficult to read because it's like I don't know if I don't know how Dallas if they make it in the wild card. Well, they're probably going to have to make it in the wild card. Um, it helps that St. Louis won last night too to sort of hold on to that divisional spot. And Minnesota are the hottest team in the league. We should have listened to Fiala. There was no need to worry. Um, I don't. I don't see. So who 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 are the division leaders right now? Um, Calgary or Colorado? I don't know. I, I don't know if Dallas is beating either of them. So I'm going to say that that Rick Bonus is gone. For me, I think they're going to try to give him one or two more years, simply because when I look at the stars and their cap hit on so many guys on who's really kind of coming up or the lack of people kind of coming up and. Their ability to kind of bring guys in in the offseason, I think they're just going to be what Dallas has always been the last few years and just stay put and see what they can do. Uh, Edmonton and Jay Woodcroft, they should bring him back. But why do I have a sneaking suspicion that the interim coach is not going to, they're going to get Babcock instead? I just, I don't know why. I could be overthinking it, but I, I think they should keep Woodcroft. They've played well under him, except for Mike Smith, who was yeah. uh, having statistically in the NHL his second worst season ever. They can't let goaltending affect the coaching again, but I feel like I agree with you. I feel that it's going to lead to that, and then they're going to want to get a big name in there again, which they shouldn't do because they've been doing that so many times, and it hasn't worked. 
I want to look at uh, the UFA goalie market this year at some point and just see what's available for the Oilers. Cause I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. I see want to get like a aging Braden Holpe, but I see, I don't know if he's on a one year deal right now or a two year uh, interim. Andrew Burnett is, I'd, I'd say he's getting that taken off. Yeah. He's soon. getting it. Yeah. No, <laughs> him and the Panthers are pretty tight. Montreal, Martin, St. Louis. I think as long as Marty St. Louis wants the job, I think he has it. <laughs> Please yeah, uh, don't go. We love you, man. <laughs> Please don't go. It's it's kind of crazy to me because like it started with the management and then it went to the coaching and there's this enthusiasm now with Montreal where they were able to kind of avert a bigger crisis, I think, this year than it was going to be. Because I think that if they just kept things as they were and they tanked like this, this would have been worse, I think, in terms of PR, in terms of alienating fans in terms of kind of saying like, you know, Hey, we gave you last year, a cup final. Aren't you guys kind of grateful for this? I think now they're in the right step saying we could save, we could save this. Marcy Louis showed up and made Caulfield rookie of the month. <laughs> Instead of, I think Cole Coles with like 15 goals right now, he would still, I just hit my mic. Sorry. He might be at three or four under Ducharme right now or in Laval. Probably. How do you, how did you mess up that badly with him? Um, but yeah, Marty, please stay. Nashville and John Hines? I think he's done good work there. I think he's done yeah. good work. I feel the same way. I think, you know, we don't give enough we don't give enough credit to Nashville sometimes on how they've been able to stay competitive, even when I really thought that they were going to be bad this year. Like, they traded Ryan Ellis. Damn. They traded Victor Arvidsson. And they didn't exactly get overwhelming packages for two of those core guys. And they've been able to keep things together. They lost Ekholm's production and got Janot, who's been great. And it helps that Duchesne is good again. And Roman Yossi is having one of the best offensive years we've ever seen from a defenseman. And UC Saros is the most underrated goalie in the league. Mm-hmm. And the shortest, the most. Yeah, under- is he like 5'11"? Yeah, he's like he's he's like one of the only. I think he's the only goalie under six feet because I know that's, Peter Mrazek's like exactly six feet. I think that's incredible. Five um, eleven isn't short for Greg. I'm five eleven. Uh, for goalies, if you don't know, is it's very very short. Um, John, no, we just talked about it. Mike Yo in Philly. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah, goodbye. I think goodbye. it's kind of crazy to me how um, things just like gradually became like. The okay Minnesota Wild quickly in Philly, Chuck uh, Fletcher, and then he brought in Mike Yo. That's I uh, just what a, a a crap interim coach to have like Mike Yo. Like he's like talk about the most like downtrodden. You like you went from Vino to Yo, the guy who said yeah, I'm probably gonna get fired, got fired, and then his team won the Stanley Cup. Like come on. Mike Yo. Imagine having Mike Yo, Michelle Terry, and Andalane Vino on the bench in the same year. No wonder you're behind. Isn't that okay? Uh, this is an interesting one. Bruce Boudreaux. Now, apparently, there is some sort of uh, some stuff from Freeman here. There's an extra year on the deal in some capacity, but the Canucks can keep can choose to keep him or let him go for the year. If he goes, he gets a payout, and Bruce has the option to leave. And I don't, this is another guy, Patrick Alvin inherited this guy. He's done good work, but there seems to be a bit of air in Vancouver and Freeman said he was shocked to hear it. I don't know if that's like the future Alvin sees. 
excuse me, without Boudreaux, but this one, I'm going to say maybe he goes, but it's, it's, I, I personally would keep him, but um, there's smoke in Vancouver with him right now. <laughs> excuse me. I'm hiccuping. No problem. I think, uh, I don't know. It's going to be like, it's, it's an ideal situation. I think for Bruce Boudreaux, because he could go out on his own terms mm-hmm. with this, like he's going to get the payout. Um, it's not going to be acrimonious in any way. But I think just Patrick Alvin, it's the same thing with Pat Verbeek. He wants his own guy. I think more for the long term because Brujo was the interim Rutherford guy yeah. that was put in there. So depending on what he sees with the team, I think once he gets the Brock Besser situation fixed, he kind of just assesses long term what's going to happen to JT Miller. What's the forward core going to look like? How are we going to fix defense? I think that's going to depend on what he feels his coach should be. Uh, the final one, Dave Lowry in Winnipeg. Uh, nice. get, get rid of him. Yeah. He didn't get fix anything when uh, he came in. Um, you know, I, I really thought that like, that was going to give a bit of a jolt to the Jets. And for, for a while it did, but they just went back to their old habits. So get a completely new guy. And that organization needs a real. Um, they got to change the, the the drapes. They got to change the bed sheets. They need to. Uh, they really need to look at themselves in the mirror and figure out what exactly we of the Winnipeg Jets are. That's uh, that's what they need to do. Hot take: Connor Hellebuck or John Gibson will be Toronto Maple Leafs next year. That's a hot take. Um... On that, yeah, I think that's I could see that happening. Uh, Gibson or Hellebuck will be Leafs. That's what you heard it here first. Okay, I'm not gonna say I think John Gibson, not because of the Ducks bias, but more so because of the Leafs cap, because he's making a very team friendly cap hit right now. I think he's making like six point four or something, yeah, six point four. Yeah, and he's 28 still. (laughs) That's a good deal. So I, I'd pick John Gibson over that. Like he's been healthy. He's been good. Um, a lot better than he was last year. And it's, you know, patchwork defense right now. So I think it would be that. Because, okay. So for me, it's just Connor Hellbuck has, I guess, more experienced guys. And he like, he just has more defensive defensemen in front of him and they're still struggling. Well, he, he was better last year without them. Yeah. Or the year before he ironic. Be. He was like Vesna caliber when his defense was worse. And we're not blaming, we are not blaming Connor Hallebuck for this this year. Like, I think what Mark Spector did for some reason, like, I'm not doing that at all. Uh, well, that's everything, Daniel. Uh, if you just want to quickly hop on Twitter and maybe see if we like missed anything. Right. Um, oh, goodness gracious. I'm tired, man. I'm excited to go get this Maki Mono later and get some freaking fried calabar. You're going to feel more tired after you eat, though. I know, I know, I know. Um, I'm, I've been drinking water. I'll have a light snack mm-hmm. after the it's podcast. Cal Lowry's return to Toronto tonight. Is it? Yes. That's cool. Good for Pretty him. expensive tickets out there. I, I, I could imagine. I can yeah. imagine. Is there a, a Raptor who has their number retired yet? Uh, no, not yet. You should probably be the first one. Probably. Not uh, like before. I know people say Vince Carter, but I'm like, no, no, no. Shout out to, uh, is it North Carolina who made it to the, yes. who beat Duke? Yes, Mike Krzyzewski. 
has retired so, after 42 years as the coach of the Duke Blue Devils. So I don't know a lot about NCAA stuff, but I saw Baldwin tweet about Coach K, and I'm like, just so was Coach K like a dick? And then last night I saw Baldwin tweet about him in his North Carolina jersey. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, that explains it. That's crazy. Like, I don't I first got to know, I know we're ending it, but I first got to know Coach K probably – when the Blue Devils probably what 2006 and you're asking the wrong guy, Daniel. Like it was just kind of weird. Like it was kind of crazy to me. Like I guess the level he was at, he was always at. I'm not saying it's a like he was an NCAA coach, but he was the coach of the Olympic teams, where like he coached like say, LeBron, yeah, like Kobe. Three, three gold medals, doesn't he? Yeah. I wonder what he. Do we know how much he gets paid? Because NCAA. It's like a different level over there, right? Like college is much different. College sports are much different than the States, right? I think he's getting, it's in the millions. I think he's, I think he's getting more than any coach I wouldn't be surprised at all by that. <laughs> like, like, does he, does he get more than Mike Babcock got? I wonder. And I we would see like 5 million ish. I can't confirm right now, but I think it's around that amount or a little more. Okay. Hold on. We're going to, we're going to try and find um, okay. coach K salary i'd be amazed it wasn't out there uh coach k's earnings between 2020 around 80 hold on i want to know what exactly his apparently if i'm okay i don't know how reliable sportico is but 7.3 million dollars during the 1920 season peaked at 9.7 maybe there's stuff about depending on how long they go mm-hmm. that's fun it's a lot Good for him Okay, but hey, he's gone. He had, he had what, like five titles? Okay, that's it. Um, thank you for listening. You can find all our stuff in the link links below. Alex says all that. Um, check out on YouTube. Check out the YouTube version of the show. Check out the TikTok and all that. Where he's pointing out that I'm a Sidney Crosby stan. Didn't know that. Good thing I don't have TikTok. Um, let's see, I do, but I like just follow the show, but it's not even on my phone. I deleted it. Um. You know, check all that out. Check out the show on Twitter and all that. Thank you. And we will see you later. Wait, wait, wait. Before we go. Yep. Happy birthday, Adam's brother. Yeah. Scott, he's 30. Old man. Goodbye.